Rebecca fails to sing. Mike drags Justin to the ground. Brooke regains her friend. I plagiarized that. You're listening to Return to Gilead. A fan podcast for Down Gilead Lane. By two new but very perceptive fans of the show. I'm Michael LaFaver. And I'm Ryan Matlock. And today we're reviewing episode 2-2, No Strings Attached, by Beth Culp and Leah Gardner. Episode 15 on our Return to Gilead. And today Ryan is energetic. Stop that. Excuse you! Excalpium energetic if I want! <laughs> I'm sure Ryan's just energetic to hear about young Brooke and young Becca, right? Because their actresses are totally fantastic. I mean, there's that. Sometimes I just get tired of saying no, it's intros okay. with a straight face. <laughs> and no one wants to listen to an intro where we're just monotone each time. Of so I not. swap it up. Maybe next time I'll sing it. Well, Maybe mean, sometime I'll do an interpretive dance while I say it. You won't know. It's not but like there's any you'll redeeming be able qualities. to imagine it. Uh, it's not like there's any redeeming qualities other than our tone in the way we do the intros, right? That's the only reason people are here, right? Just for just for our tone? I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Here's the summary. When Rebecca Taylor is missing for the beginning of the Fall Festival Field Day, Brooke goes to investigate and make amends. Following up from last episode, when I said it seemed like the Brooke and Becca stuff was more background than currently what's going on and the current controversy... It wouldn't make sense if it was the culmination, if this was the culmination of an arc, because Brooke and Becca, when they start talking to each other, they are right back to being friends again. And Becca might be a little bit cagey about what's going on and how how things are with her mom or her dad, but because her mom's gone uh, and how she feels about her mom. But their chemistry is really, really good. You know, it is. Mm. It is. You feel like they're best friends and they have that history together. Even though it's just two voice actors who probably don't really know that much about each other. Yeah. Maybe. I don't I don't know if they if they know each other, but I'm guessing they weren't friends since babies. Yeah, that'd be a good interview question. Ooh. But it's it's funny because I am again in this episode and I don't like it because of oh? Becca sleeping in. I have done that several times. I've told you about my sleeping in until five, right? Oh goodness, that's a long time. Yeah, two AM to five PM. Uh, it's not fantastic, but there have been times when I've been like, oh, rats, there's something I missed that I needed to do this morning. Not to this effect, but the reason Becca is like this is sort of is because her mom is gone, right? I got the impression that it wasn't entirely that her mom was gone, but more that she was staying out late with friends. So it's sort of... It's a domino effect that because her mom is gone, she's depressed and she's looking for validation that she's she's sort of a combination of looking for validation she doesn't get from her parents because they, they're never around. Mm-hmm. But she's also looking for connection and trying to basically grasp at straws at wherever she can get that. And so that's why she's kind of with the in crowd yeah. is because if she's in, then that says something about her. And then she also gets the connection and it all kind of culminates in exactly what she's looking for. Um, but that means that staying out late and apparently like very late because it's made clear in this episode that it's like there's no curfew mm-hmm. because the dad's not paying attention. So who knows how late she was out. Yeah. And as such, she misses it because she's sleeping in because she was out late and she didn't get her sleep earlier in the night. Mm-hmm. Becca presents an interesting case because she's a character who has some sort of moral code, but she's not super intelligent. And I'll explain why. I'm sure she's a smart girl, but... Because she keeps slipping back into the same mistakes and because she realizes, oh, yeah, yeah, I should do this. and I I should hang out with you, Brooke, but now that I've just got my friends over here, 
she's not doing a great job of critically thinking for herself what she should do. And that's a realistic character. So far, we've seen all of the Morrisons as our protagonists, as people who really think through things and make calculated decisions. And Becca's over here making Rast decisions. It's a great foil for Brooke because Brooke sees this and wants to step in. And eventually at the end of this episode, there's a time when Becca actually does stand up for herself and it ends up being that it hurts her relationship with her quote unquote friends and Brooke shows up and takes care of her, which is a, a great turning point. So there's a little mini arc going on in this one episode that I really appreciate. And I'm not sure, like, so you said the Morrisons think things th- through? It seems like, well, it seems like if you were to sit down with any of the Morrison kids, maybe except Timmy, and say, hey, what was the value that you put on this action that you did? And, and they could explain to you why. With Becca, it doesn't seem to be that she has a really strong reason why she's with her friends again after saying that she would hang out with oh I, Be- with, I see with what Brooke and Luke last time. She's just slipping into the same habits. Uh, whereas if you it be, whereas the Morrisons have these conversations and Beth Culp works them in that if you do something, we're gonna talk about it for a full five minutes. Right. And may it could be that she just doesn't have a person who talks things through with her so that she can have that conversation because her dad her mom and dad aren't really like her dad's in the picture but not really because he's uh, apparently like kind of workaholic as far as yeah. how he copes with everything. Yes. Well, she sort of did with Luke last episode and a lot of it was kind of ignoring him, uh, but also kind of listening to him because he will be a good influence mm-hmm. on her for the rest of the series. I just wanted to like kind of ask about that intelligence thing. Cause like at first it sounded like you were saying kind of all the, all the Morrisons are more intelligent, which I wasn't sure if I agreed with. Cause it seems like Mike is just as apt <laughs> to like, make the same mistake three times in an episode and eat the brownie anyway sort of thing. Uh, yes. So that that was, uh, yeah, now that you mentioned that, no, I take that back. Maybe intelligence isn't the best oh, okay. phrase, but you, you can. Yeah, I think it's more like Mike could tell you why he did each thing, whereas Becca isn't quite sure why she keeps making the same decision. So mm-hmm. it's it's sort of still accurate, I think. Right. And when I'm thinking about the rest of the Morrisons, I'm more thinking about Haley in the individual moments where she had slips of the tongue or with Justin where he withdrew and right. why he withdrew and the, the deep character we, we got with that. Whereas with Becca, I think, come on, you're doing the same stupid stuff over and over again. But it's <laughs> it makes for a really compelling character. She's she right. I, I really like her. Child, Brooke, and Becca are just as cute as Timmy. Uh, let's talk about great acting. So child actors are very hard to find. And the fact that it's just a little scene. It's like two minutes. And I remembered back in, I think it was like September or October when I heard this episode for the first time. I remember thinking when I heard that scene, oh, okay, well, this is interesting. I'm not sure what the relevance is here. But on my listen through for the review, I realized the way that their screams were recorded and the chemistry between the two of them and the way it's brought out in the writing, which character is which, even though it's really hard to tell their voices apart because we were just introduced to them. It's one, great writing, two, great acting, which leads to three, great feelings on my part for how cute these two girls are. It's fantastic. Right. They mentioned that that scene was when the Richters brought a roller coaster to Coleraine, so they were, it's being established even more through the series that the Richters have been around for a long time and that they've had their influence over Coleraine for a long time. It's also showing just like how rich they are, sort of. I know. (laughs) (laughs) They brought an entire roller coaster to Coleraine, a small town, (laughs) somehow. I guess, although roller coasters at fairs aren't that, or I guess this is a festival, it's a little bit smaller, but we've had a couple really big 
carnival equipment pieces near my hometown, which isn't a huge town. So it's not unfeasible, but I guess to the residents of Coleraine, it would be kind of a shock. Yeah. One thing I wanted to mention was, and this might be a good segue into the rest of the episode, is that when Brooke goes to talk to Becca because Becca slept in and missed the national anthem and Coach Stevens had to sing it. Oops. And we don't get, unfortunately, we don't get to hear him sing it, which I'm very sad about. I wanted to hear. We're going to cut that (laughs) off right there. So, moving on. (laughs) Keep it in. Ryan, how about we get you actually singing something good later on? Like, maybe not today, but another time. Happily. Okay. So, when she goes to talk to Becca, Luke is the one who finds her because Becca pipes up when they're at her house saying, Luke, is that you? And so Luke and Brooke go in and they're talking. And then Brooke says something about Coach Stevens having to sing the national anthem. And when Brooke gives that line, I thought, oh, is Brooke going to be frustrated at Becca? But that wouldn't make sense given Brooke's revelation in the previous episode about the pride that she was holding over Becca. And in this one, it moves on from pride to forgiveness, which is interesting because Brooke was the one last time dealing with pride, and now she's the one forgiving Becca. So it's her pride holding her back from forgiveness, and yet she also needs to be forgiven for her own pride. Is that an interesting flip-flop right there? It is, yes. And so in that conversation, I was just going to bring out, I wasn't sure if she was mad or not, but it turns out she wasn't. She was just frustrated at Coach Stevens singing. No, I think she is still mad. Like, oh, really? I, I, got, I got that vibe, too, that she is mad. Oh, and, right. But, like, throughout the episode, she makes it clear that she's trying to work through it. Oh, that okay. She's she's bugged at Becca for, like, sleeping in and for just still being involved with the friends that she is. But she's also being patient, practicing patience with her and forgiveness, which... It's not something that it's just like, okay, I've decided to forgive you. I have happy feelings about you now. (laughs) Right. Right? Like, she's still going to be a little frustrated with her and a little cagey until such a time as it's clear that Becca has repented. So that's interesting because it sounds like they're really getting along. So even though they might not have great feelings. because they're friends or, like, because they were friends, it's easier to pick up and kind of be natural the moment that they both are aware that the other is extending an olive branch. Mm Mm-hmm. Which adds even more to their characters because it shows Becca doesn't have to be a caricature. She can have the same nuanced emotions that we've seen from Justin and from a lot of the other Morrisons, not have her be the antagonist, have us sympathize with her. But also, if you really think about her, we as the audience are having kind of a hard time loving her as well because of these decisions. But because the Morrisons extend that, she ends up being a fantastic character. Mm -hmm. The Morrisons are extending grace to her as well, right? Yeah, and you want her to take that grace and do well with it. And over time, eventually, she, well, like, she gets better at it. She starts opening up and uh, reaching out a little bit more to Brooke. And you want to see it by the time she does. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but have you heard me mention how future episodes will have a, a main plot and then the Morrisons doing their own thing on the side. Yes, like, for example, we'll follow a different family than mm-hmm. the Morrisons as the main plot. And then right. the Morrisons are just kind of peripheral to it. Right. Or a good example would be, what was it, Sick of It? No, it's not Sick of It. It's the one where Justin is have is really not baking well. It's the one where Haley's dieting. Oh, Food for Thought. Right. Okay. Yes. That's it. And then the one uh, of Mike and Finn where there's all the trash over the front yard. And yes, Mike eventually picks it up. 
this episode kind of has a similar thing where you've got Timmy and Haley doing the egg toss. And originally there was nobody to spend time with Timmy and he's got his own little subplot that leads to a conversation with Brooke at the end of the episode. I love that tie in. It's really, really good. Right. But in the meantime, Brooke's not around to help him. And he's really sad because he'd been looking up to Brooke and looking up to the fall festival. And now that she's gone, he, he feel, he kind of feels upset about that. And that's not really well communicated to anyone until he says he's frustrated. He, he says, I'm sorry for being mad at you to Brooke at the end of the episode. Yeah. And it's a very good simile to sort of a parallel to Brooke's situation. Right. Because in Brooke's situation, it's the same thing where she's mad at Becca for things she hasn't communicated. Yeah. Just communicate with people. Communicate. No, 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 no. Communicate. Just open up your heart and communicate. There, I sang. I sang something real. I know, but communicate. Yes. <laughs> okay. Anyway, sorry. You're you're fine. You're totally okay. Another example of forgiveness and communication is earlier on before the, the Timmy stuff with Brooke. And the title of this episode comes from the scene where Justin and Michael are doing the three-legged race. And Justin's got this whole plan mapped out. And he says, okay, here's my plan for the three-legged race. And Michael says, why don't we just get to the finish line first? Good try. Mike. Yeah, no. So Justin's got the idea of, of counting one, two, one, two, and Maya and Tiffany are racing alongside them. We don't hear Tiffany, but we hear Maya, who's heckling them about it. And as they go on, they trip twice. Michael sees them running ahead and starts to try to run faster, and Justin can't keep up. So later, when Justin is trying to recover, or when Justin's recovering, and Michael apologizes. Uh, Justin says, it's okay, I forgive you, no strings attached. That's the name of the episode! Yeah, and it shows that the forgiveness isn't necessarily attached to response from the other person, which ties into what Brooke does later on. There's that communication there, but also that unconditional forgiveness that she shows. And when Timmy goes and talks with Brooke, he doesn't have a huge understanding of what forgiveness is, but he knows that Brooke didn't mean it, and that she's his sister, and those two things alone, even if it's kind of shallow, lead him to forgive her for something she didn't even know that she did. Yeah. And I like that in this episode, because we're we're kind of still tying into lessons we learned back in The Unlovables, um, such as forgiveness and kindness towards people who hurt us. Um, but again, it's in a different... Uh, we talked about this in the last episode. It's in a different context. Mm-hmm. And that's the context of someone who may be a lot closer to you and not apt to treat you unkindly usually but also here when we're talking about forgiveness it's not even of the typical like oh they intentionally messed me up kind of uh forgiving for very clear right sometimes is against you this is more uh little things like accidents slips of mind social blunders uh things that are easier to apologize for but also more frequent frustrations and taxing on people's patience Mm-hmm. Um, but even so, we still should forgive for even those little things. Yeah, and the characters who are involved in each of the incidents, the ones who need to be forgiven, understand what they did and want to reconcile as well. So there aren't too many characters, except except maybe Maya, who are antagonists and like being the antagonist and understand that they are doing something that's hurting another person. These characters just don't don't realize it. And when they come to that realization, they end up being great friends, like the Morrison siblings and and Becca and Brooke. Just like with last episode, we have younger members of the family kind of leading the way mm-hmm. in practicing the ideas taught in the episode, because Timmy is the first one to 
Is it Timmy that's first or is it Justin? Well, Justin forgives Mike and Timmy forgives Brooke. Oh, yeah. Justin, Mike, and then Timmy, Brooke. And I think Brooke and Becca is a continual thing leading into the final scene. Okay. Yeah. So we have, it's not the youngest that goes first, but the, the two younger members practice forgiveness before the oldest, assumedly more most mature of the family, mm-hmm. um, gets there, which, again... We all learn lessons at different rates, and it's nice to see that breakup of the uh, previous uh, general rule where the, the parents know what's right and the kids don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, little things like when Brooke picks up on what Timmy did, Timmy's doing it out of a place of where he doesn't know a lot about situations like that, but his innocence is what helps lead Brooke to say, yeah, this is something I should also do, so... Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from with that. Yeah, because it, it's definitely easy when we get older to forget sort of that innocent, simple forgiveness. Right. Because family or friendship drama makes it seem more complicated than it is because we feel like, oh, well, now this other person is doing something wrong and we f- tend to focus, kind of lean into they're the one in the wrong because they're doing the wrong thing. And that doesn't make that not true, but Mm -hmm. it also gets difficult to remember the sort of simple, innocent, yeah, but we should be loving, yeah, we should forgive lessons that it just comes naturally to younger audiences, younger children sometimes. So just closing out here, I want to bring out a couple of funny lines. One was when Becca and Brooke are talking about Coach Stevens. And Becca asks, oh, can he even carry a tune? And Brooke says, maybe if somebody gave him a bucket. When I first heard that, I was like, what? I don't get it. Oh, <laughs> carry. It's a pun. Yeah, you like puns. And then when, like young, puns. when young Becca and Brooke are talking about getting on the roller coaster, Becca says she'll buy Brooke cotton candy if she'll get on. And then she afterwards, she says, no, I'd only said I'd buy it if you didn't like the ride. Yeah. Well, she did say before they got on uh, that she'd buy it if she didn't like it. Yeah, and so and so she's like, pay up, cause I didn't like it. Then <laughs> <laughs> Haley and Timmy in the egg toss, and I'm I'm guessing the egg just splats on Timmy. The sound effects, sound design is great there. Yikes, poor Timmy. Then when Michael and Justin are talking to Maya about their strategy, and Michael just completely makes up words, and then Justin says, "What was that word? Psychotrom? Psychotrom? I don't even know what the word is. That even isn't a word. You could have given me something to work with." Is what he says. All very good lines. And at the very end, when they're having dinner, and Timmy says, "Can I have another piece of cobbler?" And Mary says, "Oh, you already had one." He says, "No, I want to take it to Brooke." And Michael says, "Man, I got to try that one." Oh, that's cute. That that is cute. I didn't. I forgot that line. <laughs> <laughs> but let's close out here with the clip of the day. We've got to wrap this up, but. Let's listen to this real quick. I knew he brought you dessert, but I didn't know about the apology. You know, he's just heard so many fun stories about this festival and the family field day. I don't think it went quite as he expected it to. I know. I got to remember that next time. Yeah. So, how are you doing tonight? Me? Yes, you. You never did get a hold of Becca, did you? No. And I know I can't give up on her. But she's making it pretty hard. What I wanted to bring out in that clip wasn't necessarily the themes, but the acting. And what really stood out to me is it's the end of the episode. Jill Schellebarger-Mueller, fantastic job at everyone's in bed. We're all tired, but she's talking to her daughter. And you can see, you can hear the smile in her voice when she's talking. Sort of the smile, but also the end of the day weariness Mm -hmm. of just kind of, we're just kind of at the end of the day, we're chilling, having a 
casual conversation, but also it might go in a serious direction. You you definitely feel like it's a conversation at the coffee table or like the kitchen counter or something like that, you know? Yeah, from the writing to the sound design on Coach Stevens' voice to the creative thing from the last episode on Brooke writing in a journal, which I, I totally missed, to the subtleties in the acting here. I I might just be a simp for this series, but I absolutely, <laughs> absolutely am loving these episodes. Continually impressed. That's one way to put it. <laughs> but I'm, I'm guilty too, so. <laughs> Guys. Go to anchor.fm slash return to Gilead to find more episodes of this podcast. We hope you're enjoying the series. You can also leave us a voice message there. Uh, we also have a link tree with all the necessary links, as including to the Facebook fan page, which yes. we do not run, but we do frequent, and it is a fun place to meet other people who enjoy Down Gilead Lane. Yeah, I think that's all you guys need to know. Next time, we're doing Truth and Lies. I don't remember what this episode's about, but I'll be happy to cover it. Probably Truth and Lies. Uh, pr- probably something like that. Uh, Ryan, thanks for taking the... <laughs> thanks for doing the work for me there. This has been Return to Gilead, <laughs> and... <laughs> I'm Michael. I'm Ryan. Thank you so, so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you here, as we once again, next time, Return to Gilead.